When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Michael, but before we start the show, we have some Patreon shoutouts for y'all. This Shout is a big out. what up props. Thank you to all of you who have joined our Patreon, Bigfoot Collectors Club, the other side since our last L-Files episode. So here we go. Mm. On your mark, get set, Sarah Ryland. Thank you, Sarah. Andrew Narraway. Thank you, Andrew. Daniel Sink. Daniel, you're the man. Just say thanks. It's fine. This is going to be a long, really long segment if you don't. Uh, okay. Mackenzie Martin. <laughs> Thank you. AJ Oslin. Thank you. Janice Santiago. Thank you. Megan Panis. Thanks, Megan. Crystal Keeney. Thank you. Allison Lucas. Thank you, Allison. Aaron Dunkel. Thank you, Aaron. Rosie Cooper. Thanks, Rosie. Ben Beltwood. Thank you, Ben. Gigi. Thank you, Gigi. Allie Reynolds. Thank you, Allie. Natalie. Thank you, Natalie. Simone Vey. Thank you. Stephen Grimm. Thank you. Rick Abney. Thank you. James Ruiz. Thank you, James. Janelle Gillian. Thanks, Janelle. Dylan Weaver. Thank you, Dylan. Shanna Lutke. Thank you. Jody added to her pledge. Thank you very much. That's very generous uh, Jody, of you, Jody. You Michael Mungia. Thank you, Michael. Gabrielli Stefanelli. Thank you. Heather Corin Aspel. Thank you. Pete Anderson. Thank you, Pete. Jej. Thank you. Jason Wissinger. Thanks, Jason. Julie Kusumario. Thank you. My favorite name, Wolf Mungus, joined the $5 Club. Thank you, Wolf. Thanks, Wolf. Kylie Wagner. Thank you, Kylie. Annalise San Miguel. Thank you. S. Nicole Ochoa. Thank you. Julie Steiger. Thank you. Really slow on these cues, Bryce. <laughs> uh, what? I'm coming right there? in right after you. What are you talking about? Am I out? Can you hear There's me? There's a delay, guys. There is a... There's a delay between. There's a heavy two-second gap. That's Dude, the I'm internet. Coming, yeah, I'm, the, I'm coming hot. We all hear the conversation slightly delayed off of each other. Voiceover recorder, okay? I've done okay. promos for Taco Bell and Buick, so I know. Are what you I'm playing, doing. Bryce? Are you playing Animal Crossing while we're doing these shots? <laughs> no, I promise you, I'm not. I'm lying okay. in my bed. It's a really good thing that we made our guests sit through this part. I know, but you know why? Because last time we did it, and then we forgot about it for two weeks. So that's she's true. Gonna Carry have to on. Suck Carry it up. on. Julie We're Steiger. Thank We're you, Julie. Done. Christopher bumped up his pledge to five bucks. Thanks, Christopher. Yeah, Chris. Thank you, buddy. Torquil Dewar. Thank you. Mark Everton. Thank you. Santa. Oh boy, I hate. I'm so sorry. Santa Tander Bombasi giving Wolf Mungus a run for their money. Thank you. Rachel D. Thanks, Rachel. Emily Hignight. Thank you. Kenzie Anderson. Thank you. Eric Duman. Thank you. And this is a last minute announcement. We are adding in just 
moments, literally moments before we drop this episode, patron Kirsten just updated her pledge. So we just now met our initial goal of $1,000 a month. This is huge. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, and thank you to all of you who support the show, especially during these crazy times. We are so thankful for all of you guys. All right, guys. Uh, join us over on the other side sometime. It's We're having a blast. Uh, now, let's get started with today's show. Hit it. <laughs> It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And our super producer, Riley Bray. What's up, guys? Yeah. How's everybody doing? Doing pretty good, man. Crazy. Are you losing it a little? I might be losing it just a little bit. Um, But I know that today's guest knows everything about taking care of her health and wellness um guys you love her she's been on the show a million times before she oh, really yeah. needs no introduction except to say that she's a comedian actor writer she is the host of the podcast having funlessness with jen kirkman ladies and gentlemen it's jen kirkman yeah. hi you forgot to say i'm the godmother of the podcast the you are the godmother of the podcast this is true i'm so sorry uh no, i fine. I'm if our take- parents die, you'll totally take care of us. It's almost Godmother's yeah. Day. You'll raise us in the Catholic faith when Mar- mom and dad exactly. dies. That's right. <laughs> Jen, how are you weathering the quarantine? Well, the first few weeks was fine because I was on a job anyway, a writing job. So that involves a lot of sitting and working from home. And I didn't really get what everyone was being all hysterical about in terms of, oh, my God, I'm so bored. I felt like after three days, people were losing it. I was like, I could be bored forever, and now I'm just angry all the time. I might be, it might be loneliness. <laughs> it might be people not wearing their masks. But I, whenever I talk with people, like do a podcast or chat with a friend, I do feel immensely better. And then I catch myself in moments around the house feeling like oh, I should go back on meds. I think I have depression, and I, I have to keep reminding myself, you're lonely, <laughs> and you're not not lonely like boohoo, but like you're not doing anything with yeah. humans yeah yeah it's yeah. It, this really is like if you were to orchestrate the perfect like incubator for depression like what we're doing right now if you live alone is exactly that you're like boy i'm just like up till three and waking up at 10 and i feel like i have no sense of purpose am mm. i depressed no it's just quarantine it's just a pandemic <laughs> yeah i've been trying to vibes. I've been trying to – I like to get up at 6.30 anyway, so I still have been. Um, but I don't need as much sleep because I'm not expending as much energy. But I take a walk every day for an hour, and I've been doing ballet class online for an hour. Still gained 11 pounds because I did a lot of stress eating. You're doing ballet but, on an online class? 
Yeah, it's really great. It's not even live. It's just a collection of videos and I put together different combinations every day and I I love it. I mean, I took ballet my whole life, so I'm not learning from scratch and they're easy. They're beginner level exercises. Did you like That's edit great. together old Barishnikov videos and now you're just dancing to them? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I know. It's it's a website called Ballet Beautiful. Are you dancing like- to White Knights right now? That's Are you just watching morning. White Nights and yeah. dancing along to it? I just on it, a loop. I call it an online class. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a worn out VHS copy. <laughs> I'm just like mumbling about beating Russia and like sweating. <laughs> and like every now and then you're breaking out in some tap dancing. Right. And then downstairs neighbors hate it. Oh, How are I, you there's guys? Like, we're good, right, guys? We still got a yeah, podcast, yeah, yeah. and it's fun. Um, it is. Jen, I've of- been enjoying your anger on the internet. I got to say, your uh, your rants about masks are, oh. are really, they're great. Well, I, you and Grace sent me a picture of yourselves wearing masks, as a lot of friends of mine have been doing, and I think my friends are afraid of me. Like, I'll just get texts from people. They're like, I'm wearing a mask. I'm like, I'm, it's okay. <laughs> but um, I today I took a walk and I saw lots of people without them. And I just, I didn't react at all. So I was proud of myself. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big step. That's I, guess. I took There's a this... THC gummy before I took a walk. So I think oh, that helps. Yeah. There you go. There's, there's this house around the corner for me that's just like between 5 and 7 p.m. Just like 4 super hot people like two guys and two girls are always just <laughs> hanging out the guys always have their shirts off the girls are like in cutoffs and like really first of all you can tell it's been a long time since i've had the human touch but um <laughs> <laughs> but they're never wearing masks and they're always playing like volleyball or gardening and drinking and Having i like time huh it's re- yeah, they're having a. They're, I'm like they're just what? rubbing it in. That's just like, taking it too far. I know. It's Are like, they quarantining all, together? Is that why they, they must, can do all this? They must be, but they're like standing two feet from the sidewalk where everybody's walking their dogs. It's not like they're up a lawn, you know what I mean? So you have to like cross to the other side of the road. But it's 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 kind of a weird feeling because I'm i'm at the same time like uh, scared and titillated you know like that's part of the titillation now i don't know if you've read the latest science the hot people can't catch corona or pass it on oh, so you're they, just, have, yeah. they have all, the, all that ultraviolet heat inside of them yes. that's good they're fine don't be afraid of them that's good call amazing. good call don't fear the pretties All right, guys. Well, we have some uh, awesome listener files to get to today on today's episode. Of course, we love having Jen here, and you guys sent in some awesome stories. Um, But before we get to that, uh, Bryce and I both have a little bit of... I have an idea. I'm going to count to three. All right. And we'll edit all this. What do they have? <laughs> this is a sound cue that usually happens, and then they say something at the same time. We usually time, have to make eye contact. We've yet to do it. Correctly. I'm trying Here to we... communicate with him <laughs> telepathically, and it never works. All right. Let's do it. Here we go. Right. One, two, three. BCC News. This fucking enough. delay is going to kill you me. You came in on four, man. Oh, well. Four. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I came right after three. Is there? Am I really delayed? Can you hear what I? I mean, I guess audio. Yeah. 
hearing is not the same as a delay, but oh well. Yeah. All right, here we go. Bryce, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, absolutely. So just when you discounted that <laughs> sea monster out of Scotland, why are you laughing? I just like the way you said it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate oh, okay. you. You are All right, Bryce, nice. you're at the, we're at the point where our relationship is multi-level that there are there are nuances and flavors of your personality that I find amusing <laughs> that most people aren't noticing. Okay. Okay, cool. It's cool. True. Right it's on. a deep right level. On. Well, um, Mysterious Universe reports uh that video surfaces of allegedly the biggest ever Loch Ness monster sighting. Uh now this was reported on by Jocelyn LeBlanc. And uh, I'll read from Mysterious Universe, Universe, great website, great podcast, love these guys. Loch Ness Monster Hunter and Enthusiast, now good luck saying this name, Eowyn Ophatahijan, um, that must be Scottish. How would you say that first name? E-O-I-N, Eowyn. Eowyn. Oh, Yowen. Yowen Ophatahijan has, uh-huh. that's, that'll work. Just has call him Uwe Ophatahijan. Ew, you know, perfect. That's like a that's like a bounty hunter out of Star Wars. Has certainly been busy this year. He recorded the first two confirmed sightings of the creature so far in 2020, and is now claimed to have captured the biggest Loch Ness monster sighting ever recorded, which has now been recognized by the official Loch Ness monster sightings register. O'Fadigan's most recent sighting happened on April 22nd when he noticed something strange in Urquhart Bay. During the course of around two minutes, the long black shape was floating on top of the water before slowly submerging back under. The object came up out of the water and stayed motionless, and after a few seconds of splashing motions, it can be seen on the video, O'Fadigan explained. Then it submerged slowly into the lock, disappearing from sight. As for the measurements of the creature, he said, the object, in my estimation, is at least 30 feet long, as shown by solid blackness in the water, rising to at least four to five feet high. He went on to state that there were no boats in the water that could have caused a disturbance as the bay. It was completely calm at that time. And there was also, he also captured two other videos in 2020. So this guy's been pretty busy and pretty prophetic uh, catching this Loch Ness, but that's incredible. I saw the video. It's intriguing. It's blurry like all good crypto videos. Uh, hard, to, <laughs> hard to make out much, but there's definitely something in the water that splashes around and goes back under. So I don't know. I'm intrigued. It's Jen, nice did you take a look at this video? I did see it, and it and it doesn't even to me look so much like a creature splashing as it looked like um, – a big I mean, there's definitely the something bathtub. there, but almost like if, if they had a submarine that was constantly monitoring, you know, that body of water, that's what it looked like. And then it looked like it submerged. So there's something there. And that's what got me wondering, do they have some kind of thing that's constantly monitoring or look like a giant log as well? Yeah, yeah. Kind of, I, I think it's because like when the, you know, like when you see a whale breach, Sometimes you just see that long ridged back of the whale, you know, un- unless it flips its tail up or blows something out of its blowhole. So I think it's just like a long length of something that's coming up and then going back down. I think, you know, what we really need is to see that 
neck and head come out of the water and look around like a you know like a dinosaur and then go back under but of course we haven't gotten that at all well apparently well apparently a lot of people have been seeing it i mean to add to his impressive record of loch ness footage he was responsible for four of the 18 sightings last year in fact michael it was a record-breaking year as the 18 total sightings of 2019 were the most reported since 1983 uh, so that's huh. pretty crazy to think that it's definitely back in the news. I was starting to discount old Nessie there for a little bit. Well, that eDNA test they did said it was just probably a giant eel. Yeah, well, that's if you're thinking well, flesh and blood. I mean, I, this goes back to like I'm starting to. Th- I've always felt that Loch Ness monster was something more paranormal. Like, and I and I do believe that Aleister Crowley, you know, in his ritual magic. Um, sort of summoned up that beast, and that's when they started reporting it. So I think it definitely lives in the world of the paranormal. Oh, that's a fun thought. I didn't really know about that. I, I do think there's something in there. I'm not even saying it's paranormal if it isn't that. Like, But has anyone ever just sent a, some kind of thing down there to – Oh they yeah, must have, right? Yeah, they, yeah they, there's, a- there's guys that have uh, you know spent millions of dollars uh, searching that lock, and they and they've used all kinds of high tech equipment. In fact, I think it was even like National Geographic or Discovery followed, did a whole episode where they followed a crew and and they sent sonar uh, submersible sonars down there and and uh, you know ran all kinds of tests. But you know the latest in technology for testing wise is that eDNA kit, which is the environmental DNA. And all you have to do is take a sample of the lock, and that will tell you every living biological creature in that entire lock with just one sample size. So, because the it's idea incredible. is, Jen, that any fish or otter or animals that go in there, <laughs> they'll shed cells and shed DNA. So you can actually, it's so it's called environmental DNA testing. Oh, or I love this. Yeah, and then they can go through and they can be like, oh, look. And they found like um, bits of like sheep and lamb that have fallen and drowned in the lake. And, you know, they can pick up all these different animals and they they got a lot of like eel hits. And so the 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 big theory Uh, now is that there are giant eels in the lake that that are probably causing the Loch Ness um, monster mm. sightings. The problem is with going down in submarines and underwater vessels is that the lock is notoriously dark because there's all this peat on the bottom of it. And Got it. Uh, so it's really hard to see once you get down there and it's really deep and it's really long. So it's hard. It's hard to find anything down there. Well, even if the, it is not a dinosaur or a paranormal creature, just that environmental dna test is a miracle in my eyes yeah it's crazy that we live in a time like that no but yeah i'm intrigued that it is a paranormal creature i think that's way more fun well to give you a little to give you a little primer so at the at the beginning of the uh 19th century or 20th century actually alistair crowley bought a little house right there off the lock because he was fascinated with that area and he started one of his most um aggressive magic rituals which was supposed to take place it was a series of rituals over six months it was called to summon his holy guardian angel um and apparently like his magic ritual was stopped in the middle of it and he left and he never closed the gate as it were and uh and that's when these sightings started popping up in and around the lock so he didn't pick that location because of the loch ness monster no, 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 no. He was just up in Inverness and built the house up there. That is strange then. That yeah. I don't like. That freaks yeah. me out. 
And who was the guitarist <laughs> that bought his place after he left? And and, and Jimmy Page. Yeah. Jimmy Page. Yeah, that's right. Jimmy Page was because real into the occult as yeah, well. Yeah, because of Alistair Crowley, he bought his house because he was super into it. <laughs> oh right. And he, and, <laughs> I guess and that he would reported make sense. all kinds of uh, <laughs> all kinds of sort of paranormal activity <laughs> happening in and around the place as well. So. I don't know. Crazy shit. Well, Did he report a lot of their music being stolen from black unnamed musicians? Did they find <laughs> now, you know, no one's a bigger Zep fan than me, but I just have to, you know. Yeah. Make and that all of their magic rituals were stolen by a old, bald English sex addict. Um, okay. <laughs> so Bryce, I've got my story here. I'm surprised when you texted us tonight that you have a story. Uh, listen, that was great. I love Loch Ness. I'm Scottish. Give it, give it to me all day long. I was shocked that you mm. weren't bringing in the biggest UFO news that's hit in a long time drop today. This well, is from I was CNN. Aware of it. Go for it. Yeah. I Woo! assumed you Woo! were. Uh, this today on CNN, Pentagon officially releases UFO videos. This is by Michael, uh, this pop-up window keeps getting in the way, Michael Conti from CNN. So here we go. The Pentagon has officially released three short videos showing unidentified aerial phenomena that had been previously, previously released by a private company. The video shows what appear to be unidentified flying objects objects rapidly moving while recorded by infrared cameras two of the videos contain service members reacting in awe and how quickly the objects are moving one voice speculates that it could be a drone the navy previously acknowledged the veracity of the videos in september of last year they are officially releasing them now in order to clear up any misconceptions by the public on whether or not the footage has been circulating was real or whether or not there is more to the videos, according to Pentagon spokesperson Sue Gao. Mm. After a thorough review, the department has determined that the authorized release of these unclassified videos does not reveal any sensitive capabilities or systems, said Gao in a statement, and does not impinge on any subsequent investigations of military airspace incursions by unidentified aerial phenomena. The Navy has now formal guidelines for how its pilots can report when they believe they have seen possible UFOs. The Navy videos were first released between December 2017 and March 2018 by To The Stars Academy, pop-up fucking video, and Art yep. of Arts and Sciences, a company co-founded by former Blink-182 musician Tom DeLonge that mm -hmm. says it studies information about unidentified aerial phenomenon. In 2017, one of the pilots who saw one of the unidentified objects in 2004 told CNN that it moved in ways he couldn't explain. As I got close to it, it rapidly accelerated to the south. Then it disappeared in less than two seconds, said retired U.S. Navy pilot David Fravor. This was extremely abrupt, like a ping pong ball bouncing off a wall. It would hit and go the other way. So basically, this whole story is just a Pentagon confirming that the videos that we got in December 2017 are, in fact, official videos that they know about it and uh, that that they've decided that none of this uh, is, uh, you know, doesn't affect national security in any major way. However, and I'm going back to the um, article here. Some members of Congress are still interested in the issue, with senators receiving a classified briefing from Navy officials on unidentified aircraft last summer. 
If pilots at Oceana or elsewhere are reporting flight hazards that interfere with the training or put them at risk, then Senator Warner wants answers. It doesn't matter if it's weather balloons, little green men, or something else entirely. Hmm. We can't ask our pilots to put their <laughs> lives at risk unnecessarily. Rachel Cohen, spokesperson for Democratic Virginia, Senator Mark Warner, uh, told CNN at the time. So there you go. Well, there you there you go. You know, that felt like an old hash uh, story to me because, I mean, we were so on top of when those videos were first released. But so it's really just the the Pentagon saying we're officially releasing. these. But videos. that's huge because there was a period in this when, yes, I know what you mean, because it does feel like we keep getting these same videos and stories over and over again. But it's mm-hmm. it's the way that it's trickling out. Right. It's taken two years for the Pentagon to go. Yeah. OK, those are real. Those yep. videos are real. You know, because there was even a a time when people were contending that Luis Elizondo didn't even work at the Pentagon, you know, right. within the UFO community. So now, you know, first we had these these videos come out, former Pentagon officials, Luis Elizondo, saying that it was a thing, talking to the New York Times, then the Air, then the Navy, the Air Force. And now finally, the Pentagon is going, yeah, OK, that's that's real. And that's yeah, they've, that's the first time they've ever. I mean, I remember these stories. I was probably, <laughs> you probably had already read them as well by the time I was like texting you, like, did you see this? But I, I've read every one of these. I remember it was happening, and I, yeah, remember there was still kind of radio silence from the Pentagon, and yep. it was going, and nobody was talking about it because, you know, of who's the president there's always some new drama every day and i would always tweet this would be a big deal if we weren't living in hell and now (laughs) this is like this is it i I mean it's still an unidentified flying object they don't say it's a space alien but they never have said that before about anything nope it's always been it's a weather balloon it's a you know and at least they're going now we don't know what this is I find that they're really just sort of covering their ass because, look, this is a threat to our airspace because, you know, there are some of the most famous UFO cases have been documented over nuclear bases where, you know, actual missile silos have been turned on and shut down. Uh, There was a big case in Russia that almost started World War III when there was a UFO over one of their uh, nuclear missile silos that, that, that turned on their nuclear missiles. And it was they they actually were just able to shut them down before we became aware of well, them. Well, sure, it started and, World War Three. So these are may, a threat. And look, if Tom DeLonge had a video of that, maybe they'd be admitting that. But they're speaking specifically about these videos these released, three, yeah. right? And that's the point that you know the spokesperson for Senator Warner is making at the end. It's like, hey, at the end of the day, we still got to know what this stuff is, you know, yeah, and. Good luck. And also to Jen's point, look, we're in the middle of this fucking pandemic and this story is just slightly slipped out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? They right. Just, the timing is amazing. It's not a it's coincidence. On a, it's on a Monday, which is not a big news day. You know, there's been lots of big national news over the weekend. We're all in the middle of this pandemic. And then here we go. The Pentagon going, OK, let's just let's just confirm this and move on. So yeah. it's really it's fascinating stuff. It's a big deal. Big deal. Big deal. My disclosure boner is half mass. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's time for your listener stories. The L-Files with Jen Kirkman. Hey, guys, we're back for the third time. For the fourth time. 
So we're stuck in a time loop right now. Um, this isn't going to make a lot of sense to you guys, but uh, it's the next day from when we started this episode because we keep uh, having some Mothman level fuckery with the uh, recording stuff. So um, this middle section that you're going to hear, these next four letters, this is our third attempt at reading them. So bear with us. We might be a little angry while giving out advice. Uh, here we go. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Uh, I'm going to kick off the L files with a letter whose title I don't want to spoil for the listeners, even though my buddies here know what this is all about. Here we go. Dear BCC, I've been sitting on this story for a while now. For one thing, it's very weird. And for another, I truly don't want to be disrespectful. But it happened. Like many people, I was truly devastated by Anthony Bourdain's untimely death. I always felt a great comfort watching him and felt a spiritual connection to his whole being. At the same time, I'm not a super fan. I just appreciated him as a fellow human. Uh, Writer inner, I think if you connect with him on a spiritual level, you are indeed a super fan. And that's okay. Embrace it. Shortly after his death, it was a night just like any other night. I was alone, very high, and thinking of Anthony. I had just heard the story about a woman who had married a ghost, and they had also had sex. I was sorry to hear about their later divorce. So I started to really think on that very idea with this lovely man who was taken from this world too soon, but also not really taking it too seriously. I didn't realize I was putting any true intention out into the universe. Later that night, I woke up from a deep sleep suddenly. I was not experiencing sleep paralysis. In fact, I wasn't even paralyzed. I rolled over from my side because it felt like someone was there. I felt two presences at the foot of my bed. One slightly closer to me, and the other was bigger and behind the first. I felt them as if there were two solid people there. This sounds crazy, but the closer presence felt like Anthony Bourdain. The second presence felt like a serious authoritative anonymous being now that i'm awake and this is happening i immediately decide sex with the spirit is too much and i didn't mean for any of this to actually happen i closed myself off and the presences were gone it took me a while to go back to sleep because that experience was too fucking weird i would be lying if i said i wasn't flattered that anthony had answered my call now maybe some of us are connected and we can feel each other if we really try I chalked this experience up to it being just my imagination. How could I not? It's so strange. My experience then became way more significant after I heard y'all's episode with the Dela Levine, where she talked about the Watchers, I think, the stoic beings that look after the spiritual plane and help spirits that are new to that plane. That's exactly what the second presence felt like. Why else would there be a second presence? It didn't feel like a pervy second presence. It just felt like an authority there for Anthony's spirit. Not malicious or good, and not there for me. I am so embarrassed by my booty call that I booty called the celebrity spirit, and I've never told anyone about this one until now. The two signs that I got that led me to writing y'all is at first listening to the Listener Files episode. I wasn't sure if you were still doing these. And then... I listened to A Funny Feeling today, and Marcy and Betsy mentioned consensual ghost sex. Shout out, A Funny Feeling! 
I've had other ghost experiences when I was younger, but I intentionally closed myself off after my grandma died when I was 17. I didn't want her to worry about us and stay in this plane of existence. I didn't want to have any spirituality or connection to the paranormal in between until now that I'm in my 30s. With the exception of this event, I closed myself off because I don't need any more stress in my life. Also, this is a burner email. I can't let y'all know my true identity. Thanks for being awesome. I love all three of you. Kisses, Taylor. Mwah. Sounds like Taylor is a Patreon subscriber. Sure um, does. With that sign-off of kisses. Um, all right. Well, we've heard this story a couple times now. Jen, couple times, yeah. <laughs> what is your take? Well, now my take is that I have the song, Just My Imagination. <laughs> Running away from me, just my imagination. Um, so there's that. The, my other new take, having heard this again, is I'm glad that Anthony Bourdain is a respectful ghost. That she, in this Me Too era, she changed her <laughs> mind, mm-hmm, and he mm-hmm. wasn't like, "Oh, come on, whatever you said, I could come over for sex." He was like, "You know what? Materialized for this? Hey, my friend's gonna watch. That's cool, right?" <laughs> So, why, why does Anthony Bourdain <laughs> sound like that? <laughs> things happen in the afterlife. You get a whole new identity. Very but mysterious. you know, I I told I'll tell my I'll retell the story I just told on the other recording that I had an intense dream about Prince. And so, while I I find it so hard just for myself to believe that these people are actually coming to us in our sleep, although I really wish it were true. Maybe it is. I do think if we feel connected to someone. And maybe we're really good at reading their energy. Somehow we are connected in some cellular way. I don't know. But I just know that I wasn't a super fan of Prince the same way you were with Anthony Bourdain. Always just appreciated him. Saw him in concert once. um, So I have breathed the same air. It was an electrifying concert. When he died, I had a bizarre dream that I was at the UCB theater in LA backstage and that I was going to see a podcast being recorded, but I was just a fan of these podcast guys and I was backstage and then Prince walked in and all the guys were treating him like a God. And I connected with Prince in this dream on what I knew was this really cool sense of humor he has. And then he just kept teasing me and we kept joking with each other. And then Prince sat with me while we were watching the podcast taping. And then the guys said, (laughs) does anyone have a question? And Prince raised his hand and went, why isn't Jen Kirkman on your podcast or something like that? And he said to me, Jen Kirkman, you should start a podcast. And so he was just really... I don't know. He this was really dream gets me. better and better with each time. <laughs> yeah. I agree. It, and it was something about him and podcasts. That's all I remember. And then he invited me to his home in Minnesota. And in the Dearly dream, beloved, we are gathered here today <laughs> to listen to Jen Kirkman's podcast. Um. <laughs> I woke up in bed the next morning, hadn't opened my eyes yet. And I swear to God, I was in bed with him in Minneapolis. And then I woke up. And I was just in my own bedroom alone. I love Prince that you dead. go from UCB to Paisley Park. Like, this dream's got a lot of locations. Private jet. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's a three location dream. And then I woke up, but the heartbreak I felt, it wasn't just a disappointment that, oh, it was just a dream. It was intense pain, as though I had actually suffered a breakup. And I just thought, if I got that emotional in a dream, could there be something real? Could our souls have connected? 
I mean, yes. you know, you guys know I already think that if anyone has the ability to zip around and seduce women in their dreams after he <laughs> dies, it's Prince. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Well, I you got know. a new title track off my BJ and the Shadow Bats album, A Pervy Second Presence. So <laughs> I'm good with that. I hope someone's... I hope someone's keeping track of all the song tracks that we have to write for this album. I actually um, literally just created a notes file. So from now, I'm fantastic. literally going to start working on the album. From here on out. Yeah, from um, here on out. So we, I had a few takeaways from this. The first is, the okay, The Watcher. Um, this would be the first. Okay. I think, I'm not sure if that second presence was a Watcher. Because I think what Adela Levine says is those guys kind of hang out on the edge of reality. But... Um, who knows? It's possible. I don't run the afterlife. I don't know all the rules, but I definitely think to. I, I definitely there's something that I, I I feel like you trust your your gut when you're having these things, and it is interesting that there was this second presence that was kind of like there as a watcher. So I, I find that interesting. I don't know. Adela would probably know more about that than I would. Um, I think the big takeaways here are maybe it was Anthony Bourdain, maybe it wasn't. I think that whatever this phenomenon is, has the ability is has the ability to, like we were discussing before, and Bryce, you can help me out here if you want to. But that there's something. This is a there. It's there. There's a there's something about this this entity about this phenomenon that picks up on your thoughts, picks up on the things that you're projecting and engages with you in a way that you want to be engaged with or think you are being engaged with. There's a trickster element to this as well. So it's possible that whatever this entity was, was like, Hey, she's digging Anthony Bourdain. Let's show up as Anthony Bourdain. Mm -hmm. So there's that possibility as Mm. well. And maybe it was Anthony Bourdain. How the fuck do we really know? So again, trust your instincts, trust your gut, but also know that whatever this thing is, and we're, you know, this comes up a lot in the Mothman Prophecies book, it tends to fuck with us and mislead us in ways that we think we know what's going on when really that's not the case at all. My last bit of advice for you uh, is, Taylor, is that um, it sounds like you're tapped in and you have the ability to shut it down when you want to. So you don't have to go all the way, so to speak, with these spirits. But maybe the, the good thing is that you could maybe try to make more connections to the other side here, knowing that you have the ability to turn it off when you want to. So Ooh. maybe it's worth exploring this other side and the spiritual connection that you have and see where it goes. So considering things may or may not be what they seem they are, temperature of the room, ghost sex, good idea, bad idea. <laughs> it well, might be our only option for some of us in this pandemic. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I'll take ghost sex over no sex any day. Thank you. That's, a, that's definitely a BJ and the Shadow Bats lyric right there. Yeah, that's in a song. That's in a song for sure. Um, yeah, any any action I can get, as long as it's consensual, is cool with me. All right, sex is on the table. Yeah, on the table. Okay, uh, what's the title of this one, Bryce? Uh, this one has no title. It's called Second Story Submission, sort of. Okay. Hey, guys, I hope everything is <laughs> I don't going think you well. printed it out. It's, it's included in the email. It's right here. I don't, I don't print out subject headlines. Well, 
Let's not fight. Okay, this one's called Mom, Second Story Dad, Submission. Don't fight. All right, here we go. Well, Looking if we do, uh, we might kill each <laughs> other, and then Jen can raise you in the Holy Catholic spirit. Yeah, that would work out. Looking forward to new BCC episodes. They helped me get through the first and worst half of the work week. Since the last time I wrote in, you've had one of my heroes on the show, Greg Sipes. I still don't know how I feel about hearing the voice of Beast Boy and that adorable face say orgasm. Thank you for that, LOL. The reason why I say in the title I have a sort of story is because I have no memory of it. Allow me to explain. At the age of about five or six, I woke up on a Saturday. I remember it was a Saturday because we didn't have school or church that morning, so I was allowed to sleep in. I didn't remember anything that happened prior to when I woke up that morning. I knew who I was, who my friends and family members were, etc. The best way I can describe it is, I woke up with my stored knowledge, but not my memories. I didn't say anything to my mom or my siblings, and only told my best friend much later. Now, as an adult, I look back and believe I was abducted by aliens. My stepdad, who works for Lockheed Martin, if that says anything, is a huge believer in aliens. For his birthday a few years back, my mom got him a session with a therapist that was into hypnosis. She offered him sessions of hypnosis for memory. He wanted to use half his session to remember his previous life and the other half to remember an alien abduction he believed he went through. I, lo- I love it. He's like, yeah, can I, can I split this up? Uh, I just want to get the most for my money here. Um, okay. He used the time reserved to go into deep detail about the alien abduction. He thought he was only taking about, he thought he was only talking about it for half an hour or so when he got out of the trance he realized he took up the entire two-hour session. Yeah, that, that's what I was saying with my joke. You're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to, uh, you know, half these up. Uh, <laughs> I myself have thought about doing this, but I have to admit, I'm nervous. I've been diagnosed with BPD, borderline personality disorder. It's not as scary as it sounds. Trust me. The biggest identifier is that I feel emotions deeper and longer than normal people. Think Tinkerbell and other fairies from Peter Pan, how they feel emotions. BPD is usually either genetic, no one else in my family has it, or from a traumatic experience in childhood. Fortunately, I had a great childhood. Nothing traumatic happened to me, unless something did and my mind suppressed it. I thought about going to that therapist, but I always wonder, what if I remember something I don't want to? What if the ordeal was so traumatizing My mind overcompensated and didn't just suppress my memories from that night, but my entire life before that night as well. I don't want to end up like a patient in the fourth kind. So for now, ignorance is bliss. If you have made it this far, thank you for reading my rant. Can't wait to listen to future episodes. If you don't mind, I'd rather not regress, at least on this subject. Thank you, Jessica. Wow. Okay, that's a lot to unpack there. Um, I definitely have thoughts, but I want to kick it over to you guys first. Jen, what do you think? Um. Yes. So a few thoughts. I think that she should definitely explore what she is afraid to explore in therapy. And the reason I'm saying that is because I've been in therapy forever. I'm a highly sensitive person. Not always a good thing. And I have definitely thought, oh my God, I bet these feelings are from some dark and scary, horrible thing. And they weren't. And also if you're going to go through any kind of, you know, looking at your past, 
it it's usually done with a skilled therapist and it won't throw you for a loop where suddenly you're off by yourself with thoughts that are swirling around and making you feel, feel terrible. And eventually if there is deep trauma in our lives, it will come up in other ways. So I think it's always best to, to sort of face it almost like an exorcism, but I don't think there's anything to worry about. And then on the spiritual realm, in terms of alien abduction, um, I know this wasn't a question, but I feel like I would not want to know if I had been abducted by an alien, I think it would just freak me out and I'd be constantly waiting for them to come back and wondering if they were going to torture me. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't have I don't have positive feelings about alien abduction like other people oh, do. Yeah, no, for sure not. No. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know if I was being um negative, but I don't think it's like a great thing that I want to happen. I'd like it's to It's not on me. my bucket list. <laughs> okay, good, good. <laughs> so you're not in, imagining it like uh, in Flight of the Navigator where he just gets to like, you know, <laughs> run around in a cool spaceship around the earth and with you know, Pee-wee Herman. With Pee-wee Herman. <laughs> yeah. I would be fine with that, but I don't think that's what it is. <laughs> uh well, as I as I was saying from the the last time we did this, you know, look, if your dad thought that he should take the time to uh you know, get regressed uh, and and talk to somebody about alien abduction, then obviously there's something there. And if you feel that you might have had an alien abduction, perhaps that there's something there. And as we discussed last time, you know, there there is the thing that takes place in the literature of uh, of this running through families of, you know, different family lines, you know, having experiences with uh, with the abduction phenomena. So it's not out of the realms that perhaps both of you have a story to tell or to uncover. Now, whether you want to uncover it or not, that's totally up to you. I mean, I guess it all depends on your perception and how you perceive this phenomenon, whether it's a threat or whether it's benevolent, because I think that makes a big part of it, right? If you're not scared by it, then yeah, investigate it. But if you're, if you're terrified about it, then don't. So uh, it's really all where you're coming from. I mean, this really is at the heart of the issue about regression and hypnotherapy and all this stuff. Uh, Dr. Benjamin Simon, who was the hypnotherapist that helped Betty and Barney Hill unpack their abduction experience back in the 60s, if you remember from episode 100 with Mr. Paul Shear, um, you know, oftentimes these sessions go on for months because a good therapist is going to help walk you through this trauma and then mentally prepare you for the potential hypno regression that's going to help you unblock some of these memory blocks so to speak and you know and he said the reason why there he was very careful with Betty and Barney Hills because those the body and the brain puts puts those memory blocks into place to help protect you from that trauma so I couldn't agree with Jen more on this. I'm somebody who's been through a lot of therapy and my big takeaway from uh, therapy has been, you know, a lot of times the thing that I think is something really scary, like an alien abduction, uh, <laughs> turns out to be, I don't want to say nothing, but has a much more rational explanation that is often not traumatic. Um, you know, it's possible that you're just picking up on this story from your stepdad and going, maybe that happened to me too. We don't know, but I agree with Jen, uh, especially because you've been diagnosed with personal uh, uh, borderline personality disorder. That unpack all this stuff with your therapist if you're if you have one, if you if you can go to one, and then see where see where it leads, and see if your therapist will help 
help you. This is going to sound crazy, but your therapist will help you make the decision of whether or not you want to discover you've been abducted by aliens. So uh, talk it out. And, um, uh, you know, we're I, the more we do the show, the more I'm like, maybe uh, saying go get the regress at the end of every every episode is not a good idea. But. Yeah. Well, if you're in a place where you can handle it, yeah. go get regress. Yeah. <laughs> Responsibly regress. Yeah. Well, we have the alternative, which I said last time. Check your body for scoop marks. <laughs> right, so there was no last time for our listeners. It's just for us. Hey, man, they are, we're experiencing our own version of missing time here. They don't know what the last time is. They How don't do know that we've been really groundhog happen? daying this episode. This is the fifth time I've read this letter. <laughs> All right, here we go, Riley. You have one called "Depressing Ghost Story" and "Funny Alien Story." I do, dear Bigfoot boys and guest. That's Jen. One night I had a dream about my dead grandmother, whom I wasn't particularly close with. There was a menacing black shadow following us around, and just as we did normal stuff, like grocery shopping and driving in the car. Right before the dream ended, she turned to me and said, No matter where you go, the darkness will always find you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Grandma. You just have to learn to deal with it. Grandma's a matter of fact. As soon as I woke up, I called my mom to tell her about the strange dream I had about her mother. She sounded more upset than I expected, and also surprisingly awake for 7 a.m. on a weekend. I asked her if something was wrong. She then told me that one member of my stepfamily had murdered several other members of my stepfamily, and the police had then killed the murderer. She... Sorry, I'm laughing. This is Stop just so, it's, it's intense. So, it's nervous so laughter. It's fucked up. So, she, I mean, she, yeah, I need she, hypno regression to get through this fucking letter. This is dark as fuck. Yeah. Okay. Settle. She had just found out before I called. I told her my dream before she told me any of this. There's not much more to the story. We just had to learn to deal with it just like grandma said (laughs) (laughs) i've only dreamed of my grandmother one more time since then nothing bad happened although it really scared me my mom thankfully has a good sense of humor about me referring to her mother as my personal harbinger of doom to end on a lighter note i went to roswell with my best friend (laughs) over a decade ago and we drove out to the desert to look for aliens well we smoked way too much weed became pretty certain that an alien was hiding behind a random bush in the desert. <laughs> Why would an alien hide behind a bush to spy on us? No idea. Because that's but what she's they still do. scared of aliens. That's, she's still scared of aliens to this day. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Love the podcast and recently subscribed to the Patreon and bought a shirt on Tee Public. Highly recommended both to your listeners. Give Nova some pets from me. I love seeing his cute face pop up on the Insta. Name withheld. Oh my god. Uh, um, I love that the two stories in this letter are someone in my family killed a bunch of people and then the cops killed him and then one time I went to the desert with my friend and got high and we thought there was an alien behind a bush. <laughs> That's like... Yeah. Those, it's all, really covering the two poles of the yeah. spectrum. Not a lot of in between. Um... I'm so sorry, uh, listener, about this the true trauma that we all know happened in your family. Yeah. Um, 
Ah, I mean, hey, Jen, what do you think? I mean, this to me is just proofs in the pudding. Grandma broke through, was like, hey, some bad news is coming your way tomorrow. Uh, just, just a heads up. Yeah, this is a very, to me, believable, cut and dry. I totally get it. My mind can wrap around a loved one coming to us in our dreams to say something. And I, I've had it happen to me and it's usually true. You know, um, I, I do think people we've interacted with a lot, whether or not let's, you know, if there's a skeptic out there goes, no, they can't come to you in your dream. Fine. Our energies are so connected in our minds, blah, blah. That absolutely was real. And then, um, I like how, you know, I have a, I have a feeling that almost like the spirit world is almost like early dial up. Like it, there's not a lot of, um, <laughs> time, you know what I mean? It takes a long time to connect. And, and so you just got to be brief and get it out. And so I love the, this is just appeals to my dark sense of humor. The, the brevity with which grandma speaks. And she's just like, <laughs> look, there was a murder. Life's dark peace, you know, because it doesn't seem that there's a lot of time for long conversations between the afterlife and this life. And so <laughs> that kind of stuff will always make me laugh. So I, I know I yeah. laughed at the wrong story. I'm supposed to laugh at the alien in the bush, but that, that doesn't make me laugh as much as the grandmother's dark prophecy. Well, it, her, the, her, she said her mom said her grandma was like that. So you're totally in the, you're totally nailing it. Yeah, um, and it seems like the writer has a has a, a very uh, she's well processed this situation. She has a sense of humor about life and about death, and you know, I, I think she understands the the nervous giggling. Uh, it's it's just like such a it's, such a fucking crazy like, thing to write a letter. Do you know what I do? You know, if this were me, if I were the the letter writer, what I would like about the story. Is that it's step family? Like I'm not blood related to these murdering monsters. It's <laughs> yeah. not in my yeah. DNA to potentially snap and murder everybody. So there's some comfort in that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or not, Bryson? Your thoughts? <laughs> no, I was gonna say we've all got that family no. member who's killed someone, but uh, that's just not <laughs> the case. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Uh, Jen, <laughs> you have a story you're gonna read for us called. Do you want to tell us what the title of it is, Jen? Yes. And are we taking a break before the story or no? Uh, it, I have a good feeling about this one. Everything's running really smoothly. Okay. I think okay. Let's not good. fuck it up. Yeah, because okay, it seems like it gets fucked up every time we reload it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So let's so, just go for it. Sorry to put that thing in there. Okay. So this story, <laughs> by the way, I read this last night <laughs> when we recorded originally, and I was terrified. In my home, I had to start burning sage, and now I have to read it again. But at least it's light out, but this, I don't like this. <laughs> the, the title is called My Scariest Story So Far. Hey, gang and guest, that's me. My name is Ashley from Maryland, and I have a creepy one for you guys. My story took place in 2015, but I remember it like it was yesterday. A group of friends and I went about an hour or two away to visit another friend of ours one day to a town outside of Waldorf, Maryland. The friend we were visiting is an empath and no stranger to high strangeness himself, and he knows that I consider myself a seer. 
He asked me to go check out this spot with him that his buddy had sworn he felt something at. But when said buddy took him to show him, the empath felt nothing. He asked me if I wanted to check it out, to which I replied, sure. I trust this guy with my life. He'd never put me anywhere dangerous, and if there was something there, he'd feel it too, right? Wrong! (laughs) He was driving in an area that I didn't know, and I was looking out the window. I saw a split rail fence emerge out of the ground, and immediately I started feeling uneasy. I said, are we almost there? And almost immediately, he pulls in and says, yeah, actually, we're here. I looked back out the window, or at least I tried. Instead of the water tower, which is, which is the thing I was supposed to see, something took over my vision. I saw the profile of a rotting man who turned his head to look at me without eyes in his <laughs> eye sockets. Not cool, rotting man. I told him, I'm assuming she meant her friend, we have to go now. And he pulled out immediately. We drove down the street to say goodbye to our other friend, and all I could hear in my mind, like an alarm blaring, was, he still knows I'm here. I didn't feel safe until we were an hour away across a river. Oh, and by the way, after I did some research when I got home, St. Brian's Run, the actual town we were in, was built on old Native American territory. They even have a burial ground in one of their parks. So, fuck that. That's how she ends the letter. And I don't have a name yet. And then, oh, and then XO. XO. Fuck that. <laughs> Hugs and kisses. <laughs> Dude, I love I love that she I love that her reaction to when she saw a split rail fence emerging out of the ground. She was like, "Oh, I feel uneasy." <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I believe she's saying she saw a fence rise out of the ground like animated style. I don't know. What do you guys I think here? I wasn't sure about that. Yeah. I yeah. I need to take a minute and, and stop being scared. So please, someone else. The fence part, I was like, is this she, she's seeing it because the car's moving and she sees it kind of like emerge? Yeah. And was it like, oh, I'm getting a creepy feeling? Or was she literally seeing a fence rise out of the ground? Like uh, Ashley, we need some clarification on that. I mean, the the rotting man, though, that's uh, that's some scary shit. Right there. Yeah, no my around it. my thought on this one was that that she's seeing not actual reality, but she's seeing an overlay. You know, something that's co- overlaying over her vision. Right. Um. You know, getting this seems like one of those things where she could only she was the only person who could see that dude. You know. Um, yeah. Well, so this is more of a vision. A seer, so. Yeah, I think this is more definitely her experiencing a vision of an energy or a presence that's there, and she's the only one tapping into that field. Creepy that's as right. fuck. I re- yeah, I remember this now from last night that that was your opinion, and it it scares me less than to think that there's a ghost rotting person, but more that, and you know, anytime there's something that's over some kind of burial ground. Um, or anytime any kind of like mass genocide trauma has taken place and you go to those areas, you can really feel it. You don't even have to see visions. It's scary enough to feel it. And so I don't even like, I don't like it, this story. I don't like it. I mean, I don't like it in a good <laughs> way. Like, like it. It, it scares me because I, 
I tend to believe these kind of things. It's a very Stephen King. This one's a very Stephen King story for me. Like, it just seems like a scene right out of, like, It or, you know, something. I'm wondering why her friend who is an empath, which I do think is different than being kind of a paranormal seer, uh, didn't feel anything. Yeah. I wonder if there's anything there. Hmm. You know, I think we talked about this yesterday, but highly charged emotion seems to be like a battery for paranormal experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was a good point. And I'm glad you brought that back up because it, that, that really seems to be, it seems to be like the driving force is it's very tied into uh, your emotional experience, which I think is really interesting. Cool. Yes. Oh, that's right. I remember that from last night and it, in, in, in no way are any of us saying you're all so emotional. It's in your head. It's, it's truly the opposite. I think our emotions right. enhance our paranormal experiences. Mm. Yeah. What's well the emotion, put. Bryce, that this, she's tapping into? Just the uneasiness of the area, or what do you mean? Well, yeah. I mean, listen, if you look in the movie Poltergeist, I mean, you know, they base that whole thing off of a, an Indian burial ground. So, yeah, there's a lot there. There's a lot of there's a lot of trauma that 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 takes place oh. in, in certain areas and and whatnot. We don't know what that trauma is, and you know, who knows? But but trauma, fear, those seems to be the you know, the, the highly charged emotions that this thing, whatever, whatever it is can really run off of, you know, but I mean, I'm sure it can also tap into different energy states like love and, and extreme compassion too. But, but for some reason, uh, you know, uh, paranormal happenings seem to really, really thrive off those, uh, stuff like trauma, fear, danger, um, stuff like that. I mean, it makes sense because like emotions are really sort of the most abstract part of our consciousness. So why wouldn't they be, you know, a driver of our connection to the abstract world? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You're just picking up on an energy, you know? Yeah. A poignant point to leave on as we take a break. We'll be right back uh, after this with more listener stories and back to our original recording. See you soon. All right, Club Scouts, I hope you're nestled in tight around that fire because we got some more spooky stories for y'all. This one's called UFO. What's up, dudes? My name's Angel from San Diego. That was loud. Nice. Recently found your podcast because I ran out of Bigfoot podcasts. I don't know if you guys have listened to the Sasquatch Chronicles, but fuck. They got some good testimonies, which if I was ever a believer before now, those testimonies confirmed it for me. There's just too much consistency. Well, now, by the way, addicted to your podcast and binging it and thought I'd share a UFO incident that happened to me like two years ago. Angel, awesome. by the way, sidebar, I have listened to Sasquatch Chronicles. It's great. Often uh, we've used some of their stuff for research for some of our stories of high strangeness. Amen. And thank you for finding us. Here we go. So I got home one night around 9 p.m. and I was listening to music. I always take a minute before leaving my car. Well, I was facing north inside my parked car and didn't pay attention to some lights since airplanes are arriving nonstop. I just thought it was an airplane. But something made me take a double take because a light was at the corner of my eye since I was on my phone. I look up and there's a pretty bright light somewhere lower than the normal altitude of airplanes. It's a height 
I've kind of memorized since I've lived here all my life and seen them cruise by every day. Well, this light is the, the only way I can describe it was kind of a red and yellow similar to when you stare into a fire. And I've heard this description after the incident on one of those UFO History Channel shows. Some dude from Russia was describing something similar. So I pull out my phone. I try to record it. But honestly, iPhones record shitty at night. (laughs) First of all, Angel, I just love how, like, just conversational you are about all this stuff. (laughs) Uh, Shitty at night and into the night sky. But as I was looking at it, all I could think was, no one's going to believe me. It hit me. I now felt like all of those people you hear talking about their encounters. Bryce Johnson. I didn't know what. Yep. I didn't know what I was looking at, but I was staring. All I could do was the process of elimination. You know, it wasn't a plane since it just floated. It wasn't a helicopter either. I get to see those constantly. And drones were popular at the time, but this was way bigger. I just heard one of your episodes where someone moved. Someone was describing UFO moving in similar fashion to a keyboard mouse movement. And it hit me. That's exactly how this object started moving in the sky. I couldn't describe it before at all, but I could say that it moved so natural or at free will. This thing started losing altitude, coming lower, and I decided to follow it or at least get closer to see if it was a craft to get a better look. So I was literally driving down the street super slow, staring at it, and had it locked in my eyesight. All I was waiting for was this light to just shoot out of the sky at a crazy speed and confirm it was a UFO. This fucking light just turned off right before my eyes. Just disappeared. <laughs> kind of left me confused. Went back home kind of nervous, wondering if it had noticed me paying attention to it. But either way, to this day, I know I saw something weird. And Tom DeLonge's Tic Tac video uh, 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 off the coast of San Diego just confirmed there's some weird shit going on. Keep the ball rolling. This podcast is gold. I'll check back as soon as I got some paranormal experiences to share, too. Mm. Dude, Angel, mm. thank you, man. And I absolutely timed with the uh, Tom DeLong story that was in the news today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I love this thing. This light, he's expecting it to behave one way, and then it just blinks out like, ha <laughs> You know what I mean? There's that, like, performance uh, kind of thing that a lot of people see with these UFOs that they sort of engage with you in ways that you don't expect them to yeah i mean you said it man engage with you and a lot of people think that oh they see a strange light in the sky that's about it but what you really should be looking for if you have and that's that i mean all those are the telltale markers of of the classic unidentified flying object that fireball multicolored light uh you know moving in multiple directions turning off turning back on uh but what i was going to say is what you should be looking for and or experiences that take place after the fact, sometimes a day, a week, even two weeks after the sighting. Uh, that's when people start reporting strange sort of uh, paranormal happenings. Uh, I see it all the time. You know, somebody witnesses a, a crazy light in the sky or, or somebody sees some being coming out of a craft. And, and the next thing you know, they're having all different kinds of shit go down. That's um, crazy, man. Bryce, have you ever had anything like that connected to when you've seen these orbs? Have you had weird stuff happen? Dude, after it's hard. That? To, yeah, man, it's hard to say no because you know I've had some crazy shit. I, I feel like I've had some crazy shit happen, and 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 if I look at the timeline of it, it 
it really was around that time that I was seeing those, you know, kind of crazy lights and shit. But yeah, I think there's something to is that. Is this man. the crazy? Is this the stuff that you haven't opened up to us about yet? Yeah, maybe, <laughs> po- possibly. Uh, you know, but I, I definitely think that that's, you know, I guess, I guess w- what I'm saying is that you know, these things can be very personal, right? Just because it's in the sky. It, a lot of times nobody's looking in the sky. So something that's happening anomalous like that in the sky above you, that, you know, you'll be lucky to find multiple witnesses. Sometimes it's just you, man. And sometimes it's personally Ooh. doing it just for you. That seems to be a theme running through tonight that there is a lot of, it's personal sometimes with anything paranormal. And well, I don't mean that to say that that's in people's heads or anything like that, but it is emotional and personal. And just that was very, gave me the chills, the thought that something is happening in the sky that only you're seeing. Yeah. It's an engagement, right? It's a co-mingling. Um, you know, these things don't just put on a light show for no, for nobody to watch them. You know, they, they do it for the people that are, that are, that are looking up and, and, uh, you know, we've said it a hundred times on this podcast, you know, uh, it seems to be that when you look into the phenomenon and the phenomenon is used as an umbrella term for, for ghosts, for aliens, for UFOs, for angels, demons, when, when you're looking into this stuff, seriously looking into this stuff and asking big questions and, and, and sort of trying to track it down, it has a way of noticing that you're doing that. And it, and it wants to sometimes reach out and, and say hi back. Yeah, I wonder if these UFO experiences some people are having when it's just that light in the sky is like, it's almost like a a harbinger saying like, hey, just so you know, some weird shit's coming up and this is like, it begins now, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, we're just here to show you that it's going to start with this. Yeah. So keep your eye out. I mean, that's the thing, you know, Uh, I'm I'm reading that book, Passport to Magonia by Jacques Vallée and- Oh, are you? yeah, I, I am. Is and that it, our book club book? It, we didn't it, ever. Well, we haven't discussed be... it as a book club. I'm only about a, a fifth of a way through. It's a great one for our book club. I mean, well, maybe that's I what mean, we should do. I've never read Jacques Vallée from cover to cover before. And so I, I wanted to uh, to read this one. But in a lot of the cases that he talks about, you know, you find a lot, a lot of like what I've just been saying, like somebody will have a crazy experience and it, it it's hardly ever just one. It, it seems to take place uh, either not just like, you know, kind of over and over, but sometimes you, you look back and it happens to individuals throughout their entire lives. It's, it's, it's really strange. Bryce, stop keeping secrets about what books you're reading from us. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you quit reading those books and read this next L file? Yeah, let's do it. This one is called <laughs> Prophecies and Ramblings. Hey, Michael, Bryce, Riley, and Jen. I put Jen in there because you deserve it. And give Thank extra you. pets and ear scratches to Nova for me. Also, hello, guest. I sure love you and that thing that you do. You're the bee's knees. Okay, right on. I hope you're all surviving the craziness well enough. I've been debating with myself whether or not I should share this story because, well, it makes me sound that extra step beyond cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. You're in a safe space, don't worry. But it's just been nagging at me and I feel like I just need to share. You don't have to share it if you don't want to. It's kind of, uh, 
well, super depressing. I'll try to keep it short. When my mom was younger, long before she had even met my father, her brother introduced her to a woman named Olga Marie. His partner at the time made him go with her to meet with Olga Marie, who was a psychic. Or, uh, of course, all my mom calls her is my psychic, so I have no idea beyond that. Olga Marie asked my uncle to see the woman who was his sister in every way but blood. My mom was adopted because it was very important that she needed to speak with her. Fast forward to my mom having sessions with Olga Marie. They talked about many things, but a main point was this. In somewhere around 2017, 2020-ish, my mom is a bit hazy on when exactly it was, there was a possibility that something terrible was going to happen to the earth, and my mom would be in a position that she could help people. Oh, man. She told her that she would live on a farm, and people would come to her for food and shelter in a communal-type setting, and it was imperative that she did not turn them away. My mom at the time wore designer clothes, lived in a white-carpeted, white-furnished apartment with her roommate, Mark, and never dreamed of being on a farm or anything like this. In fact, it wasn't until years later when she had married my dad, had me, and inherited an old 70-acre farm in Aurora, Oregon, that she even thought about this possible future. She'd mentioned it to me in passing a few times, but it was always just a lofty, well, isn't that coincidence, type thing. Now, I'm not saying this is the end of the world or anything. I'm not into apocalyptic fear-mongering bullshit, but, well, let's just say, as of recent, it's been a topic of conversation more and more often. My mom says she has the tape recordings of her sessions somewhere, but can't seem to find them, and I'm staying away from her due to virus concerns, so I can't go look for myself. I'll let you know if we find them, though. Anyway, stay safe, be well, and if shit goes sideways, you can make your way up I-5. That's what we Oregonians call the five. To a little farm in Aurora, Oregon, and we'll keep you safe and fed. Give Nova some more ear scratches for me and a boop on the nose, Molly. Well, thank you, Molly. That uh, that wasn't super depressing at all. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing. I'm glad you did. What do you guys think of that? I, I'll be honest with you. I was thinking about Animal Crossing the entire time that I was listening <laughs> to the story. Which is a note to self. I've been playing that game to like Olga Marie in my mind was the turn up lady who shows up on Sundays. And then when she was <laughs> discussing the farm and this little paradise, I was like, oh, yeah, I could plant some mums in there. I'm going to oh, put in some man. peach trees. I'm going to build an orchard like. And the music was just kind of taking me away. I don't think it seemed apocalyptic. It was kind of cool. And I, I really know that we have a place to go if shit does go sideways. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, we should uh, stay in touch. I had an <laughs> evil thought of, of course, that's what, you know, the ghost who's going to murder all of you would say. <laughs> <laughs> now you're getting Good it. Point. Now you're getting it, Jen. <laughs> so... I got scared when I heard that part. <laughs> yeah, yep. I didn't think it was depressing. I don't know. I, I didn't really. Well, I think depressing yeah. in that she's saying maybe, you know, it's the end of the world or whatever. Oh, got it. Eh. So, eh. You know, listen, <laughs> yeah. were we promised a world that didn't end? No. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. You know, why no, do we also... assume? Who are we to not have a little world ending? Also, mm-hmm. Maybe Olga Marie is wrong. Am I going to get in trouble? No, not at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> Is Olga Marie going to be mad at me that I How said that? How dare you doubt Olga Marie? 
Listen, a lot of people, I mean, this is another common theme in, uh, in sort of the contactee experiences, sort of this, these apocalyptic visions of the, of the world coming to an end. And, and, uh, you know, there's always sort of a, a message that goes along with it, like, you know, uh, denuclearization and, and, and save the climate and all that stuff. And, and you know what's interesting about these sort of apocalyptic but visions that's, is- But that's them. That's that's Molly and her mother putting that on this vision. The, Olga Maria was just saying, I see you living in the in a farm in Oregon someday yeah. around 2017, 2020. Right, but she's yeah, I guess so. But I mean, but didn't she say in her in her letter that she sort of felt that that's what why she was saying it? I don't know. Maybe I yeah, she said like giving out food to the community and stuff. Yeah, yeah. there was some there was some. But clue, that could be like a there. cool, you know, hipster farm too. But I want I wanted to say this though. You know, there's been a lot of sort uh, of. You know, oh, she did say that something terrible was going to happen to the earth. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I must have been thinking <laughs> about Animal Crossing, Animal Crossing yeah. at that point. <laughs> okay, I take it all back. My apologies. You know, these if you I could I could just say rest assured, you know, these guys who have these UFO cults and always claim the end of the world or a comet's going going to take them away, it never comes true. It never comes true when they're going to say it, it never comes true how they're going to say it. And uh you know, there was a great quote from Jesus, you know, he's, I think he, and I'm probably going to misquote it, but it, he said, no one, no one will know the time and the place. And, and basically that what, what that is, is if anybody tells you a certain date of the end of the world, you can just know for a fact that that's bullshit. You know, no one will ever mm-hmm. know when and where it's going to go down. It's just not going to happen like that. It's the same way. Sounds we like feel ab- Jesus was avoiding answering a question that he <laughs> didn't know the answer to. Or he was making fun of everyone. He's like, they're not going to know the time and place. Nobody ever gets things right. Nobody no ever one gets writes it things right. down. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> when right. When I tell them to meet me here, <laughs> yeah. they're like, wait, when is it again? Well, and it's the same. It's the You're same not going to ag- know because you people don't listen to me. <laughs> it's the same exact thing that I think we've we've said on the show, and I think even John Tenney said it. And you know, it, I've always felt that it was true. Anybody who says they know exactly what's going on uh, in regards to UFO aliens or ghosts or paranormal activity or angels or demons, then they're full of shit. Nobody has uh, nobody has a stake in, in in knowing exactly what's going on. Everybody, even you know, even the best. Yeah, clue it, it's a good way to avoid guessing. like. It's a good way to get, avoid getting caught up in cults and things like that. Like, just don't really go out, go f- after people who say they have all the answers. You're right. It's yeah. It's it's like just a good rule to live by. It really is absolutely. On the converse, too, by that logic, if we predict that the world's going to end every day forever, then it never will. Yeah. So there you go. If it, the more apocalyptic it feels, the less likely it is to happen. <laughs> Amen. Well, I like about that. that man. That's some OCD thinking. I like that. <laughs> All right, Riley, dig into that mailbag and pull out another letter from our listeners. Let's see. This is called My Personal Paranormal Experience. Hi, BCC team. I'm a relatively new listener to your podcast, but I must say I am hooked. I have absolutely torn through your old episodes, sometimes listening to up to five per day. You guys are hilarious. And I'm very thankful you do what you do. You provide much-needed respite from the monotony of day-to-day life and are doing a great service for the entire paranormal community. I thank you. Here's my my most recent experience. I'll try to keep this brief. Whenever anyone says I'll try to keep this brief, nothing is ever brief. (laughs) 
<laughs> About you know eight months ago. For Moby <laughs> if Dick. anyone says that ever, yeah. and then and then follows it with eight months ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Our story begins. Nineteen fifty-five. About eight months ago, at around eleven p.m., I'm watching TV in my living room. At the time, we had three pets: an Aussie blue healer mix, Django, and two cats, Joby and Myra. Great it's names. To, yes, killer, killer, killer dog names and cat names. It's important to note that my dog is completely deaf and partially blind. His coat is icy white, and he borders on albinism. Django and then my then-girlfriend, now wife, were in bed asleep by that hour as per their normal routine. Out of the corner of my eye, I see what I assume to be Django emerging from the hallway, walking through the living room and into the kitchen. It was all white, walked on all fours, and had an animal-like gait. <laughs> I even heard the claws clacking against our hardwood floor and movement and steps. <laughs> Jen. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that seemed off was its head seemed round like a human, not triangular with pointy Whoa, ears like a canine. Okay. No, bueno. At first I thought nothing of it. How could you think nothing of that? I thought it was only my dog, but I then turned to see my cats. Whatever walked into my kitchen had earned their complete and undivided attention. One of my cats was even propped up on its back feet craning around the corner giraffe neck style to see what was in the kitchen I walk into our kitchen expecting to see my dog but find nothing I will also point out that our kitchen was a dead end and that my dog would have to walk past me again to get out of the kitchen there was nothing I go to the bathroom to find my pup fast asleep bedroom I fall bedroom thank you it's just <laughs> important for the story it is thank I'm you. sorry I'm reading along well, I'm and I'm enwrapped I'm multitasking I follow suit and lay down to go to sleep. The next day, I tell my significant other about my experience, who looked very concerned. She explained that earlier that night, something had woken Django up, which is very hard for a deaf and partially blind dog. Hmm. She said that he got up and went to the bedroom threshold where he watched something, or watched, tracked something with his vision down our hallway, uh, turned around, and then went back to bed. This freaked me out, to say the least. It should. A few days later, my wife has almost the exact same experience, but instead it was in broad daylight, and the entity walked into the bathroom rather than the kitchen. Oh, hell no. We, we both agreed that we felt an abnormal feeling of calm and tranquility when our experiences happened. We didn't feel threatened in the slightest bit. Fast forward a couple months. We move out of the apartment and into our first home. Additionally, by this time we have a new pup, Kiba who is also deaf. He was in the midst of crate training, so his enclosure was nestled closely by our bed and was padlocked so he didn't get out. He's quite the escape artist. I get up at 5 a.m. to use the bathroom, and while doing my business, I hear the pitter-patter of little paws shuffling towards me. It's dark, but I look down to see the black outline of our puppy and feel him as he jumps up on my leg and lightly digs his claws into my thigh. A typical greeting for him. He skitters away and leaves me totally perplexed, how the hell did he get out of his kennel? I grab my phone as a source of light and peer down to find Kiba in his kennel fast asleep Whoa. with a latched padlock on the door. <laughs> I knew at that moment that whatever we saw at our old apartment had followed us to this new house. I'm usually a very nervous person, but once again, in the moment, I felt incredible peace and safety, almost like it was imparted to me from an external source. I never feel this calm on my own. Since then continue to see things out of the corner of my eye 
Just the other day, my wife saw someone pop their head around the corner and look dead at her, then quickly retreat. I'm not sure what this entity could be. Perhaps a doppelganger or sprite that is able to change forms? Do you guys have any thoughts on what it may be? I feel like it even may take the forms of things near and dear to my heart as to not scare me and my family. Whatever it is, I'm okay with it, as long as it continues to bring peace and tranquility whenever it emerges. I have some more stories that I would like to share at a later date. Maybe next time I'll leave a voice message detailing some of my other experiences. How the fuck is a head popping around the corner? Peace and tranquility. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have what? I have a theory here, but I want to hear what you guys think first. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that, Bryce, you summed up what I think is like how is that, that these things seem at odds? Like dog creature with human head walking around in your kitchen. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, I just feel so calm. No, that is, <laughs> that is not cool. It's like nightmare fuel. It is. <laughs> this one but, for me, I, I have to sit out because it's so out of my depth of being able to believe it. It's not that I think this person is lying, but this is just not. I mean, if, if I worked with someone who said this, I'd be like. I have to go to human resources. I, I mean, I'm, I don't, it's not, it's gonna, it, I know I sound judgmental. It's just, I can't comprehend. So I just want to listen to what you guys think. Yeah. I, I, so I, I'm with Riley. I'm, I, how can you, that those sound like creepy encounters to me. I, I don't know how, I mean, but if, if your, your inner senses are telling you that it's, you know, you're feeling peaceful and tranquil. I, I, that's great. I mean, I would be like, get the. I'd be saging that shit up like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, saging so like a motherfucker. I had a thought here. I, I'm, I'm wondering. Okay. Be, these, this, this guy and his wife. I believe it's a guy. Um, seem like they really care and tend for animals. You know, totally. they're taking care of two dogs that are deaf. One's blind. Mm-hmm. Like. This doesn't sound like it seems like I would I would not be surprised. And I get the impression that this couple goes out of their way to care for animals that would have a hard life, harder life without them. And that maybe taking care of animals that other people would not want the responsibility or the time to care for them. And something makes me think that whatever this entity might be is some type of spirit guide or animal spirit that is acknowledging and appreciating what this couple is doing. I like that read on it. Yeah. And that this is some primal primordial force that's hanging around perhaps is also trying to take care of these dogs and its pack that are, um, of special needs and that these guys, you know, that's just coming by to acknowledge that because it's a little puppy coming up and none of it feels super threatening. You know, if they were having a gut mm-hmm. reaction that was differently now, it seems creepy to us. Why wouldn't it be a, do- a dog with a human head is fucking terrifying, yeah. but I almost feels like there is some type of, spirit animal spirit that is because it also has shades of shapeshifters not necessarily skinwalker but like it kind of has that sort of feeling to it too that this is some kind of animal spirit that's hanging around perhaps is even one of their animal spirit guides that is that they're very much in tune with that is helping them 
bringing these dogs and helping them care for these dogs. That's that's a guess that I would have. Now, I'm getting chills as I'm saying this, so I think I'm probably right. Yeah. I like your take <laughs> on it. It makes it, it – I can – because before I was like, I'm not trying to say I don't believe someone. I just can't comprehend. But you, that helps me comprehend something. Yeah, I like it too. Yeah, it's like kind of like it's like a pan, like nature spirit or something. It makes yeah, it, like, yeah. The, I, the hybrid seems a little less scary in that. And you know, regard. I just yeah. big, big shout out to all those animal lovers who take care of and the responsibility of taking care of animals with disabilities. I, I love that, and and uh, God bless you. I think that's just fucking great. I really do. Yeah. Word. Great story. Okay, Jen, close us out with our final L-Files of the night, would you please? Of course. All right. The title is Meditation Strange Experience. I was just listening through the back catalog and landed on the Allagash, hope I'm saying that correctly. Yep. Mm -hmm. Allagash abduction episode with Greg Hess. And a good portion of the beginning of the show, you guys are talking about Transcendental Meditation, TM. Now, I must preface this with the fact that I am not experienced in TM. I do not have formal training slash learning for it. My brother does it, and he has some belief that not all aspects of it can be taught, that it's something you gain with time because it is unique to the person. But there are other aspects that must be learned to get there, etc. I'm not experienced in meditation, but I do like to try to free my mind space and clear my thoughts by quietly listening to my breathing and allowing my mind to wander, not really hanging on to any thoughts that pass through. That's I don't basically know. meditation. <laughs> that, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the best description I've heard. She yeah. says, I-, I don't know that that counts as meditation, but it feels useful to me and sometimes refer to it as that. Anyway. I think this, this listener or this writer in her is anonymous, but I do think it's a gentleman. Just, oh, just okay. if that changes anything. It changes nothing except that I called him a her. So (laughs) apologies, sir. Um, (laughs) Anyway, allowing my thoughts to wander is pretty normal for me when I do this, and my mind can feel quite liberated when I'm through. So while I don't do it as often as I probably should, my method of meditating does seem to help. It's on one particular occasion that something happened while I was deep in thought, something that's not happened before or since. I was actually at my office this time, and I was having a rough day, so I decided to find a quiet spot during my lunch hour that I could just simply close my eyes and dive into my thoughts, allowing myself to sink into a more relaxed state. I don't know how long I was under like this, but I know I was late coming back from lunch, and the experience had the sensation that I had just sat down when I opened my eyes again. At some point during the process, I had the overwhelming feeling that everything around me was dark and I had a sinking sensation come over me. It almost felt like water or waves pulling me down. And then suddenly, it wasn't there anymore. As quickly as that started, I just as quickly had the realization that I was somewhere else. The physical sensation that I was, in fact, somewhere else. This felt as real to me as these keys that I'm using to type you this email. In that moment, I found myself standing under a large old tree with a couple of other trees around me, slightly smaller or younger. It was bright and sunny. I could see rays of light peering through the leaves above me, and I could feel, literally feel, the warmth on my face. It wasn't clear if I was in a grove or a forest, but it felt very familiar. 
like I had been there before, but I do not recognize it. Then, in the corner of my peripheral vision, a hand came into focus just before me. Not disembodied, but I couldn't see the person it was attached to, as though they were just out of eyesight and I could never quite see them. It raised up to my face as a closed hand just a few inches away from me. And then it opened, but nothing was there, at least not originally. Shortly after the hand opened, a large, ragged, old peacock feather rose up from behind the hand and centered itself upon its quill in the middle of the palm. It looked very, very old. The plumage or little feathery barbs were sparse and scraggly, but what was nearly perfect was the eye of the feather, and it felt alive? Like an actual eyeball looked back at me, but looked only like the eye of a peacock feather. It had slight movement and felt fully alive as I watched it. What's also odd about that moment was that it felt like a message or communication, sort of like when you're talking to someone in a social setting and you can tell by their body language or social cues that they're trying to convey something to you without actually saying it. That's the sensation I had when I was presented this feather. And it was oddly, strangely, weirdly comforting. I closed my eyes in that grove, and when I opened them again, I was back at my office. And I had a feeling of comfort initially, which quickly turned into an overwhelming sensation that I had, in fact, had a supernatural experience. Mm. Now, there's no way for me to validate what I have saw and felt, but in my heart and in mind, I know it was real. What I don't know is what it means. I don't know, and I don't want to know. So I was wondering if you guys had heard of anything like this, visions of feathers or peacock symbols and dreams or other supernatural encounters like this. It felt like I was being told something, but I still do not know what. What's odd is part of me feels like that feather or whatever it represented is always with me, like it's watching or sees me. So guys, what do you think? Thanks so much for your time. I know it was a long story, but I appreciate your help. Side note. I also have one other story of high strangeness from a visitation by two beings in the night when I was a teenager, but I'll save that for another email if you guys are interested in hearing it. (laughs) Thank you for not making me read that one. That sounds good. Please let me know your thoughts. Take take care and get regressed. Z. Wow. Awesome. Well, I was doing a little uh, Googling as you were reading this. Yeah, me too, man. Some stuff. Yeah, on peacock symbology. And um, so the first thing that popped up was peacocks are considered as vain and foolish birds and tend to display their feathers as a sign of vanity. Okay, but a peacock feather is said to absorb negative energies and protect the wearer from any bad happenings. Yeah, it is also thought of as a symbol of good luck in most parts of the world. And the eye, that pattern on the peacock um, looks like an eye and it sometimes represents the all uh, all seeing eye of God. So the the fact that they felt like they were being watched, there's a con- there's a connection to that with the with the pattern of the feather. Yeah, I mean as soon as as soon as she mentioned peacock and peacock feather, that that's a deep symbol in in, in esoterica. I mean that's you know that's probably one of the, like the top twenty five symbols in in esoteric uh, lore and literature. That's that's crazy. So yeah, that that could have been a transcendental moment for sure. I have no no doubt. Uh, yeah, meditating's trippy, man. 
Nobility, holiness, guidance, protection, watchfulness. Co- contemplate the powers of the peacock when you need more vibrancy and vitality in your experience. Mm. The peacock can also help you on your spiritual path and breathe new life into your walk of faith. I'm reading this from uh, whatsyoursign.com. But uh, Z, just take a good Google tour, and I think that you'll find some meaning uh, there for sure. And I just saw something, too. In Hinduism, um, the peacock is associated with Saraswati, a deity representing benevolence, patience, kindness, compassion, and knowledge. Peacocks have a special relation with Lord Krishna. He wears peacock feathers on his head. Mm. And they're, uh-huh. uh, so it's this, yeah, there's a lot in, in, in every religion in Christianity, it's the symbol of eternal life. So it's like every religion, the peacock is a big deal, which is funny because you just, you don't, off the top of your head, think of that a peacock as religious. Yeah, yeah I'm trying cool to think. That... I used to. Uh... Oh, go ahead, Mike. No, please, I just think on. of NBC. <laughs> <laughs> I used to. I, I was trying to think of uh, what, but you know, I listened to a lot of Terrence McKenna, and he would often talk about uh, uh, the peacock and, and the peacock feather, and and he would uh, use it in 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 an analogy of some of his uh, his deep psychedelic trips. Uh, he called it the quintessence. Quintessent. Anyway, I don't know something, but uh, yeah, he quintessence, sentience, quint, quint, quintessential, quint, quintessential, quintessence, quintessential, quintessence, quintessence, quintessence. That's it, quintessence, quintessential, <laughs> But yeah, no, that's uh, that's crazy. Yeah, the peacock. That was a great. I just like that. That that story was very nicely written. I really kind of like got lost in that one. That I know cool. your your readers are such good writers. They do. Yeah, they're. Really uh, yeah, you guys are on fire. These stories keep getting better and better and better, and we really appreciate it. If you are listening and you have a story that you want to be read on an upcoming Elf Files episode, please write us an email at bigfootcollectorsclub at gmail dot com, and it might be featured on an upcoming episode. Maybe Jen Kirkman will read your story. Um, I want to thank Jen. You never know. Um, I really want to thank Jen for joining us, the godmother of the pocket, the peacock feather of the Bigfoot Collectors Club. Um, Jen, where can, like Bigfoot, where in the woods can you be found? Wait, can I just say one more thing before we go? Yeah, I want to throw out a topic maybe you guys could do on an episode sometime, or maybe I'll write in a letter. But I sent you a DM, Michael. I don't know if you got it. It was like last week. There was an interesting thread on Twitter that was scaring yeah, the Did you slide into me. my DMs? I slid into them. <laughs> girl, I didn't what you see doing it. Sliding up into my DMs. I was girl. like, I could text him, but I want this to be sexy. Um, <laughs> there was. Meanwhile, a- I'm like Animal Crossing. That's all I do now. <laughs> I'm sending dick pics. Like, what the hell? I'm there, fishing for zebra turkey fish. There's a there was a thread that someone wrote that I thought was so fascinating that said, This is just I want to hear your weird stories of things that you lost and never found again that make no sense that they went missing. Mm. And they were the Ooh. tiniest, smallest stories of like I was writing in my diary on my bed and I put the pen down and I turned around and it was gone and I took off my sheets and my bedding. I mean, things like that, you know, or I had a, whatever, a tube of lipstick in my glove, you know, whatever in my, in the seat next to me. And then I had to, you know, all these things were like people dropped something and then it just went away, you know, dropped something on the kitchen floor and you never found it again. 
and they were all terrifying. It was the smallest thing and they were scarier than any big time ghost story. And I was wondering if you've ever done an episode about, or if there is any kind of paranormal about objects that go missing into some other realm only to come back. It's really funny that you mentioned that, Jen, because just last week or two weeks ago, Henry Zabrowski, his story was all about a belt that vanished from his apartment and he tore the place upside and down. And then it appeared in a very like common place that he had checked. And yes. he was under the theory that there was some sort of trickster entity fucking with him mm. in his apartment. I think so. there's like not just, I think there's a thing to it that I might research and I might. I think there are. There's probably like some I would start looking at some sort of this sounds like a very uh, and I could very. be totally wrong, but this sounds like a very like Swedish uh, troll or like, you know, some look into like Eastern or Western European lore of like little trolls that come and take stuff from you, because it sounds like the, I, I'm sure that there is a mythological entity whose job is just that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. All right. Um, no, I just want to let you know that that if anyone wants to read anything scary, um, find that Twitter thread. Great, <laughs> fantastic! You're on your Good own, luck. folks. Um, no, maybe I'll retweet it, but people can find me. I don't know. I think Instagram is where it's at right now because um, I do a lot of my podcast stuff on there, and they can just check out my free podcast called Having Funlessness, and they can just go to my website, JenKirkman.com, or me on Instagram at JenKirkman. Fantastic, Bryce Riley. Anything? Um the the Spindrift album uh, is charting on College Radio, oh, uh, which dude. is really really exciting. We we hit number fifty seven on the College Radio charts. What? Which is like fuck, fantastic, dude! Bananas. Congratulations! Yeah, and uh, what's what's crazy is that it was it was supposed to be out by now, but because we were on tour leading up to the release for the and then the uh you know the whole pandemic uh global situation happened so we cut our tour short and the album is like not it's it's in limbo it'll it'll come out eventually but i don't know when but so it's just so out for only... radio release not yeah, for consumers yet exactly yeah so it's only the only place you can hear it right now is on college and independent radio so if anybody is listening to college and independent radio maybe give them a little call yeah i was gonna say call them up old school drift. style and request a song from spindrift yeah. i love that it's so old school Congrats! Hey, we're, we're keeping it old school. Yeah, and it's really exciting. I've never, uh, I've never been on the radio charts uh, that high. Before, I used to so. call the radio cool. when I was a kid and ask them to play a song and dedicate it to a girl that I liked at school. Oh yeah, that, nice. that was the Aww. best, man. That was a fucking move, dude. Yeah. Oh. Did she hear it, or was she like, "I was playing Animal Farm"? <laughs> she was reading Animal Farm. She was like. <laughs> smarter than me um everybody you can follow us on instagram bigfoot collectors club and on twitter at bigfoot pod also please go to apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review uh it really will help bring the show to more people and uh if you write us a good one we'll read it right here on the show like this one this is from possibly mitch he calls us the greatest podcast five stars one of the best podcasts out there these three have great chemistry and it's always a joy to listen to really sparked a genuine interest in the paranormal cryptos and my personal favorite extraterrestrials and ultra terrestrials along with a funny feeling another shout out check them out too keep doing what you're doing and don't forget to subscribe to the other side oh my god this cool. guy covered the base so Beautiful. much possibly mitch we love you keep listening to the show and for the rest of you thanks for supporting us listening and until next time good night and go get regressed maybe not <laughs> maybe <laughs> thank no, you jen it. thank you jen we love you so much i 
love you guys more. I'm so scared. I'm gonna have to go watch I'll be up for a while. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.